0: What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. A cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name is Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. That'll be fun. I have people ask me all the time, and I know that they've asked you too, what is Save the Cowboy? Uh, You know, people come up to me all the time, and they're like, oh, you're that cowboy preacher, and I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, what is Save the Cowboy? And in in the next three weeks, I'm not going to, uh, we're not changing the mission statement, we're not changing the vision statement, we're not changing our purpose, but what I'm going to try to impart to you to tell you is how to answer that question what is Save the Cowboy? How would you answer that? Would you say, well, it's a a cowboy church. Or you might say, well, it's not really a a church like you're used to going to. It's more like a a cowboy ministry. Or would you say it's a group of cowboys and cowgirls that get to wear their hats and bring their dogs to church? Be surprised. A lot of people like that. Or would you say it's a uh, a group of cowboys and cowgirls where they can meet together, where they just don't fit in anywhere else. What is Save the Cowboy? Today, I'm going to tell you the first part of what Save the Cowboy is, and today we're going to finish this statement. It ain't dead, as long as there's one. Maybe you might know this great movie. Mighty Watch. I couldn't sleep if I rustled cattle. Where's powder? steal stealing or out selling? Ah, look, Monty, it ain't like we're rustling from anybody we know. They all belong to a bunch of fat bellies back east someplace. I thought Robin banks was your style, Brady. We couldn't get work, Monty. A lot of good boys can't get work. If I was starving, I wouldn't rustle. Yeah? Well, you ain't. You're getting your three squares a day. Ain't no use talking to him, sir. Brennan's a good man. They ain't his. Makes no difference. They belong to the slash Y. The slash Y? The kind of life you're talking about is dead. Snow buried it last winter. It ain't dead. As long as there's one cowboy taking care of one cow, it ain't dead. You go to hell, money. You shut your mouth. It ain't dead. As long as there's one cowboy taking care of one cow, it ain't dead. Today, I'm going to show you how Save the Cowboy fits into that. It ain't dead. As long as there's one. Long before I met my beautiful bride, how many times have I started a story out that started like that? I had a date in Big Spring, Texas, and uh, this young woman wanted to go dancing. So, like any cowboy, I thought we was going to go two-step, maybe do a little shottish, polka, Cotton Eye Joe. No, that's not what we did at all. We went to a rock and roll joint. I knew I was in trouble when we walked in there, and it was like the DJ stopped, and everybody stared at the cowboy hat in the room. So they had this band, and she knew the band, that's kind of why we went, and I mean, I felt so out of place, nobody was talking to me, the only person I knew in the bar was her, and anyway, you know, we're, we're sitting there, and they got back like, this little dance floor, and the band's playing their music, well, they decided to play a slow song, and so they're playing this slow song, and you know, everybody's got the, the teenage deal going on, you know, right here and right here, and they're all dancing, I didn't know adults dance like that, but I guess they do... And they're swaying back and forth. And it didn't take a genius to figure out that there might have been a problem between a uh, man and a woman there because he was a-dancing with this one girl and this other girl come up behind him and shoved him. And of course, he bumps into his girl and he turns around and this girl balls up her fist like a man and hits him right between the eyes. Whack! Sounded like a gunshot went off. I was sitting there and I went, Ooh! Yeah! He better be glad he was a big boy, because if it would have been a guy about my size, I think she would have laid me out. She was kind of a big, big gal, and I mean, she knew how, it wasn't her first rodeo. That old fella, he kind of comes down like this, and I mean, this is happening like for me to tie just right in front of me. I have the best seats in the house, and I'm like, girl, you fixing to get killed like that. He reaches over there, and he grabs her. And he picks her up, and he kind of takes about four big old steps, and he pile drives her right down on top of my table. The table goes like this, and she goes down like this, and I jump out of the way, and all of this. Okay, as long as there wasn't a baby in that thing. <laughs> Scared me to death. I was like, well, if Mama ain't freaking out, I ain't going to freak out. That's what they did to that gal. This guy picks her up by the throat and he takes off running and he pile drives her on my, You know those little round tables that they got at Dancing Joints that are about this big? Tables go flying and everything. And he's got her down and she like this. Because it hurt. I could tell. Bounced her head off that concrete floor. And I thought, girl, that might teach you to bow up and hit like a man. Well, that was all good and well. Not that I agreed with it or anything like that, but that was all good and well until he had her by the throat with her head laying on that cement, he reared back to hit her again. And I went, oh, Lord. <laughs> Why me, God? I just wanted to go on a date. I just wanted a two-step. So I jumped down, and I kind of straddle her face. To get the picture of this, <laughs> I was protecting her. I would like you to grab a grizzly bear by the head that's fixing to eat you. Cause this guy was big, burly, and he was mean. And I grabbed him around the throat and I put both of my thumbs in his little that little spot right there in his throat, and I began a mashing and I said, fella, I ain't got nothing against you, but I can't let you hit her like that. Well I had both hands occupied. He only had one of his hands occupied, and he said, Fine, I'll hit you. I went, oh my gosh. Do you let go? Uh, I was like, I'm just going to duck my head real quick when he punches. (laughs) And about that time, I see about 40 of his friends coming. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be worse than I thought. And they hit us, bam, and we go rolling out through there. Luckily, they didn't have nothing against me. They were just trying to get him up and everything. And so they go off. Well, the girl that I was there with had got up to go to the bathroom. During this whole escapade. And so they get him and they get her and they're dragging them out and I'm setting up tables again and everything like that. And I sit down and I'm like this. Oh, I came close to dying. And that girl comes back, she sits down, she goes, did you miss me? (laughs) No, ma'am, I didn't. I had some other stuff going on. She said, like what? And I said, well, never mind. She came up to me later, she goes, why didn't you tell me you got in a fight? And I was like... Look, I'm the only one. And of course, I was like, she was like, you're kind of stupid because you really stand out here. And I was like, yeah, I can tell that. And she goes, but it was really nice that you defended that girl. And I said, well, as long as there's one cowboy around, somebody will defend. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 35, the New International Version says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The teacher of the law said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. There comes a point in time that you just need to take what Jesus says and just stop while you're ahead. But this guy, he goes a little bit further and he says, verse 29, it says, "...but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, "'Who is my neighbor?' In reply, Jesus said, "'A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho "'when he fell into the hands of robbers. "'They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, "'leaving him half dead. "'A priest happened to be going down the same road, "'and when he saw the man... He scooted over to the other side of the road and passed on by. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, scooted over to the other side of the road and passed on by. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, look after him. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Nearly everybody has heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, we're going to stop there for just a second. And I'm going to remind you that we're going to answer two questions today. Number one, what is Save the Cowboy? And number two, we're going to answer the same question that the teacher of the law asked. Who is my neighbor? The people in the story and their attitudes... Towards the man. If we're going to look at this parable and figure out what Jesus was trying to say, when the teacher of the law—I'm going to call him the lawyer from now on—when the lawyer, at no offense, Andy, uh, the lawyer says, "Who is my neighbor?" But the people in their story and and their attitudes towards the man need to be looked at. Let's look at the lawyer himself, the one asking the question, the one that Jesus is talking to. When Jesus is telling the story, the lawyer. To the lawyer, the wounded man was just a subject to discuss. Hypothetically speaking, if you will. See, to, the, to those type of people, to the teachers of the law and to the Pharisees, if you talk the talk, that's good enough. There's no need to walk the walk. They want to talk about, who is my neighbor? And they may agree that, oh yeah, we got to help people, but too often, they just went to the other side of the road and passed on by. This is humanity in general. We agree that someone should help people, if they fit the criteria that we think they need help. It doesn't matter if they need help. Are we going to help them if they fit our criteria? Who is my neighbor? Who do I have to help? The robbers. Now, they're not mentioned implicitly, but they are, I mean, somebody beat him down. The wounded man was someone to use and take advantage of, and I guarantee you we've all felt like that. Used, taken advantage of, beat down. The devil attacks people with the intent of destroying our idea that people will help. You ever been stuck on the side of the road for a long, long time? Not too long ago, uh, old Mr. McKnight out there where I live, he does the road grading and everything. Me and Riley and Griffin, we was going to town and he was just coming down that hill off 150 and he was in his Jeep and had a flat. Well, he left his cell phone at the house and something happened and there was no Jack in his Jeep. Or he couldn't get it to work or something. And so I'm driving up there and I see this guy parked on the side of the road. And it would have been real easy to pass on by. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to stop. And I stopped and I got out and I said, how are you doing? He said, I've been better. He said, I've been here for an hour. He said, I grade this road and everybody waves at me as they go by. But I've been sitting here for an hour and you're the first person that stopped. I said, what can I do to help you? He said, do you have a jack? I was like, yeah, I've got a four jack. Had a little bit old Jeep. We went, quack, quack, and it was up. And we took the tire off, put a new tire back on. I mean, literally five minutes, we were done. He said, you know, he said, I started to wonder if anybody would stop her. I'd have to walk to the house. He said, thank you for stopping. The devil attacks people with the intent of destroying their idea that there are good people left in this world. I think that we can all identify with the hurting man laying there as people just pass on by. They may feel sorry. Oh, look at that poor guy. But yet they keep on going. The religious men that did move, they didn't just pass on by. They scooted across the street. Their attitude towards the wounded man was that, uh, that they was a problem to avoid and to leave for others. How many times have you heard that? Oh, somebody ought to help that poor guy. Somebody ought to help that kid. I'll never forget, I was the so dadgum proud of my wife one day. She walked into Walmart in Fort Stockton, Fort Texas. <laughs> just talking about Texas gets me all fired up. She walked in there to the Walmart, and there was this guy, and he was a jerking on his little old kid, man. He was, and I'm not talking, you know, you want to bust your child's butt in Walmart? I don't care if he's throwing a fit, but this kid, all he wanted to do was look at the little crane where the toys were, and this dad was like jerking him. And I tell you what, he's lucky my wife didn't pull a Kung Fu Christie on him and just beat the <laughs> snot out of him right then. But she walked in, and she didn't say anything. And then she walked back out and she couldn't find him and he better be glad. But she picked up the phone and called the police. And I'm, I'm very proud of her because you know what? Too many people today will just let that happen and just walk on by. While children are abused, while women are abused, while some men are abused. What are y'all laughing about? Y'all miss the jokes and then laugh when you ain't supposed to. The legalistic religion doesn't make us love. It attempts to justify why we, why we shouldn't. Well, they're not part of us. Let somebody else help. What about the innkeeper? Did he do his job? What was the whole deal of that? Did you see that? I just karate chopped that fly in midair. I'm like Mr. Cowboy Yogi or something. The wounded man, he wasn't helping. The wounded man was a way to make money. He took that money. What are our attitudes toward the people that are hurting? How about the Samaritan? The wounded man was a human being worth being cared for and loved. Now we have to understand something about Samaritans. The religious men were Jewish. Full-blood Jewish. The Samaritans were half Jewish, half something else. They were the cur dogs around Israel. They were despised. They were hated. Instead of cutting across where Samaritans lived, the Jews would walk like 50 miles out of their way just so they didn't have to step foot where a Samaritan lived. They were shunned, ridiculed, and despised. But the Samaritan, he helped because the man was in need, not because of who the man was or wasn't. So before we get to answering who is our neighbor, I want you to understand three things about helping somebody. When you see somebody on the side of the road, maybe they've been beat, whatever the case may be, you need to understand three things. Nobody ever gets sick when nothing is going on. In other words, folks, it's very seldom is it convenient to help somebody. We're always going 900 miles an hour. When somebody needs help, I I don't think that I have ever helped somebody when I said, man, I was just waiting on somebody to help because I had absolutely nothing going on. It doesn't happen. When you help somebody, it's not going to be convenient. Does that mean just because it's an inconvenience that we don't need to help somebody? No. The second thing that you have to consider when you help someone is they will probably never be able to pay you back. Think about that they probably will never be able to pay you back. But you know what? God doesn't say, loan your neighbor. God says what? Love your neighbor. Most people get the first two letters right, but they boy, they want to add some different letters. Not the V-E, they want to add the A-N. Well, I'll help you, but I'm gonna, later on, I, when I need something, I'm going to expect you to call me back. Because I love the Lord with God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, and all my will, and I loan my neighbor as myself. It doesn't say that. It says it'll love. It is never convenient to help somebody, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't. They will probably never be able to pay you back. And the third thing is give what you have love with what you don't. The Samaritan gave bandages, oil and wine, the use of his donkey, a night with him in a motel, and money for care. He had all of that stuff with him. God knows what you have and He'll see if you're willing to share. Most of the time, God will use what you already have in order to help somebody. When I stopped and helped Mr. McKnight, I had a jack. It was a nice one. Easy to lift that Jeep up. Very seldom is God going to put you into contact with somebody that He tells you to help, and you're going to have absolutely nothing. But if you don't have anything else, give your love. Time is free. We may argue that, but all the time you have is a gift from God. How long does it take to listen to somebody? To just lend them an ear. I guarantee you, lending somebody an ear to talk to is worth millions of dollars to some people. How about a phone call? Hey, I was thinking about you today. Just wanted to check on you. I know things aren't alright. I don't have to ask you, how are things going? I know you're going through a tough time. But I want you to know that I'm thinking about you and I'm praying for you. How about a ride? Stop by and give somebody a ride. There are millions of things that we can do to love our neighbors. It doesn't have to be the giving of money. It doesn't have to be putting somebody up at a motel or bandaging wounds sometime. Sometimes the best bandage that you can put on a wound is the heart that is wounded that just needs the bandage of love. Remember the question in verse 29? The lawyer, he was ahead. He had answered right. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does the Bible say about it? And he said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And he said, man, you got that right. And then the the lawyer pushed it a little more. And he said, and who is my neighbor? Do you have it figured out yet? It ain't dead as long as there's one. Y'all have heard me talk about Lee, my next door neighbor in Kainosa. Several years ago, he had a great Pyrenees dog, those white fluffy ones that are guard dogs. And his name was Porkchop. It was a very fitting name for this dog. I've never seen a dog be able to eat 100 pounds of dog food a day, but I guarantee if you put it out, pork chop would eat it. Like what happens so many times, the dogs started barking in the middle of the night. Well, we had as bad a coyote problem down there as y'all do up here. Excuse me. And Lee would go outside, and you know the coyotes would be, you know, yipping and everything, just about an acre away or something, and the dogs would be barking. So he'd just go out there with a shotgun. Shut up! Boom! And that would usually scare the coyotes off. The dogs would quit. And he went back inside, and it quit for a second. And then the dogs picked it up again. And I mean, they were barking louder this time. (sighs) It's never convenient, is it? So he gets up. He grabs his shotgun again. He opens the door, and he steps out on his back porch. And from about me to the front row is a coyote, snarling. And it jumps at him. In midair, his porch was maybe just not quite as high as this stage. In midair, porkchop met that female coyote, and they rolled out there. And I tell you what, if you don't think a coyote is tough, whenever Lee opened the door, two Jack Russell terriers came out, and that female coyote was holding her own against a full-grown Great Pyrenees and two Jack Russell terriers. Them Jack Russell terriers was tearing—that's why they're called terriers—because they was a tearing her hind end up, but she wasn't giving up. Well. You know, Lee had to get some more shotgun shells. He was trying to break the dogs up. He needed to kill the coyote, but the dogs were in the way. And finally, he got them separated and called off, and he shoots a coyote. Anybody want to guess what was wrong with the coyote? Rabies. As often happens, Lee had been meaning to catch pork chop up on his shots. Big dog slobbers everywhere. Every time they went to town, they were taking the good truck. He'd been meaning to week after week after week. And time just slowly slips by. They had... Pork chop quarantined while the coyote was sent off for testing. And I remember on a Saturday morning when my cell phone rang, and it was Lee. I was outside. I knew that it was coming. And I answered. I said, hello? And he said, hey, man, what are you doing? You can tell in the tone of voice, can't you? I said, did the test come back? He said, yeah. Dr. Box called yesterday. I said, Lee, why don't you let me come down there? He said, no, he's my dog. I said, Lee. I sure don't mind. And there was a quiver in his voice, and he said, you know, I've had to put a lot of dogs down, but I've never had to put one down that was saving my life. And I said, Lee, I don't mind. He goes, I didn't call you to give you the results. Could you give me about 10 minutes and come down here and help me dig a hole because this is one big dog. And I said, yeah, I don't mind. So I stood there brokenhearted for Lee. I loved Porkchop. Porkchop was a cool dog. I never heard the shot. But when I got down there, this big, tough cowboy who I had been in horse wrecks with, flipping over horses, getting run over by cattle, winning team ropings with. This big, tough cowboy had big old tears in his eyes. And we went over there in silence. And we dug the biggest dadgum hole you've ever seen in your life because pork chop was a big one. And we remembered that dog. Lee, the guy that lived down the road. We're trying to answer the question, Who is my neighbor? But I want you to think about something right quick. Lee wasn't my neighbor. The neighbor was me. In verse 36, Jesus reveals the true meaning behind the parable. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Seriously, what? How many of you were thinking that the neighbor was the poor man that had been robbed and stripped of his clothes and that was laying on the ground bleeding and needed taking care of? He wasn't the neighbor. The answer is not trying to figure out who our neighbor is. The answer is who is willing to be a neighbor. Jesus asks that question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer answers correctly in verse 37. The one who had mercy on him. It's not about having neighbors. It's about being neighbors. It's not about others. It's about us. There is nothing more cowboy than being a neighbor. Everyone has a neighbor. Sometimes they're far away. Sometimes they're right up close in your back pocket. But everybody has a neighbor. But not everybody is willing to be a neighbor. What do neighbors do? They help a friend who has a horse that has colic. They help dig really big holes. What does a neighbor do? They defend complete strangers when no one else will. It ain't dead as long as there's one. We still have one question to answer. What is save the cowboy? You know who the neighbor is now, but how do we apply that to what is save the cowboy? But like Jesus did, we can't answer that question. We must ask another question so that people's attitudes about who we are and what we do will be in the right frame of mind. It is not what is Save the Cowboy. It's who is Save the Cowboy. And who is Save the Cowboy? We are neighbors, plain and simple. We are neighbors, and that is something worth saving, passing on down to our kids, showing them the right way. Not about figuring out who is a neighbor, but figuring out if we are willing to be a neighbor. It ain't dead as long as there's one neighbor taking care of one man or woman. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in the ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background you need to stop what you're doing right now and go by barrywardmusic.com and check out his new album west of dodge this program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks tumbleweed hay and hauling 303-324-8217 WesternLLC.net, look east realty 303-644-4444 double h heating and air 303-669-8911 Integrity Auto Repair, 303-621-2845, and Comanche Creek Enterprises, 303-619-7030. Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information.